Um, and then after that, the front right was every time I went over a bump, was like clanging and rattling like something was massively loose. Um, so I, I did the, the, the sort of thing that every man should do at that moment in time. Keep on driving. I turned yeah, the radio driving. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I turned the radio up and carried on driving. And welcome back to Onid Arms, the Pit Lane podcast. My name's Adam D, and this is unbelievably already episode number four of our little motorsport chatting group. Uh, and uh, the group is kind of reconvened almost into original state this week because uh, Mr. Parkins here this week. Hello, sir. Evening, Adam. How are you? I'm good. I'm all ready for episode four episode four uh indeed uh, talking of four uh mr tom stocks that's no comment on you but you've been somewhere hot this week haven't you oh yes back from budapest uh back from holiday back to work uh so naturally full of serotonin <laughs> tanned or burnt um burnt ah good man that's the way the english do it on holiday um now ben brown uh, aka ben 22 racing is here as well uh good evening good evening adam everyone how's life treating you sir uh, as, as well as you can when it's uh we're recording on a monday and uh you know monday blues but it's it's been a really good weekend of racing and stuff so we've got plenty to cover which is really good yeah it certainly has and talking of people that have uh, enjoyed a weekend of racing Andy Hearn is here, fresh, well maybe not fresh, but um, back from Le Mans, so uh, making his Pit Lane podcast debut, good evening Andy. Yeah, good evening, good evening everyone. Uh, yep, fresh, well fresh-ish back from, from Le Mans and well burnt as well. Ah, excellent, right, so we've got two tomatoes and three plums in the studio, no offence Ben and Parkin, but you join me in the plum status. Um, right, so what we're going to talk about this week is uh, firstly the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, uh, and then we'll move on to other motorsport related stuff, including of course the 24 hours of Le Mans. Um, but let's start with the Formula 1 as we always do, and actually just... Um, uh, before we go and forget it this week, uh, Parkin, do you want to take us through how the Predictions League is stacking up? Um, because surely I had a better week this week. You did. You, you've got a whopping half point for predicting a Perez win. <laughs> so you got a, a, point, a half point for a Red Bull driver winning the race. Um, is that it? That, yeah, I'm afraid. You're on one and a half points for the season, so... Am I bottom of the table? No. Oh, um... Tim, Tim's on zero. Oh, good lad. You are second bottom, but we'll we'll skip over that. So the, the correct prediction would have been Orlando Norris eleventh qualifying, Pierre Gasly fifth. Fifteen cars finished. Thanks for updating that, Tom. It was sixteen last night, and then Max Verstappen the winner. Um, I got half a point for Perez, same as you, Adam. Uh, Tom, how did yours go? Um, I have changed strategies. I've gone for the full wildcard strap one of these predictions will pay off in the season and i'll look great for it but <laughs> this one didn't i predicted a esteban ocon win <laughs> 15 finishes <laughs> which i got right <sighs> george russell fifth which would have netted me half a point until flipping hamilton decided to 
pull an overtake. Can't believe it. And uh, I've had Bottas as qualify eleventh. So yeah, just half, uh, just the one point for me. But better than I did, and you you went for the meme option, so fair play. Ben, you did pretty well this week, two points. I think I said max to win, and then uh, the 15 finishes. Because exactly. I, I like seeing the signs of the apocalypse with uh, multiple people retiring, um, and I can't really remember. <laughs> I think I said Bottas for fifth, which is a conversation point in itself, because I actually genuinely thought that was possible. It turns out it really wasn't. So, um, yeah, up and down. Yeah, still pretty good, though, man. Two points. Yeah, not too bad. I'm glad the 15 uh, finishes finally came to fruition after three weeks of guessing it. (laughs) I keep sticking with 14. It's not worked so far. (laughs) That was bold at Monaco. Yeah. bold at Monaco. I I thought it was a little bit more um, uh, possible for Azerbaijan, but never mind. Never mind. So, So who is leading the championship overall now? Yeah, currently it's a tie between Dan Hyde and Jimbo Manzi on six. So, yeah, wow. two-way tie. Wow. Well, we shall um, make sure that uh, predictions are... By the way, how did Sam get on this week? Um, He got one point. Which I is know... not bad, considering he predicted it halfway through the weekend. <laughs> After... <laughs> oh, just before qualifying, wasn't it? Yeah, he went full Jimbo strat on that, didn't he? Um, so I'm glad to hear it didn't pay off too well for him although he did outscore me um, but never mind never mind um, look anyway let's let's talk about the, the, the race itself uh, in just a moment because qualifying was actually pretty interesting uh, this time around not not that it isn't normally but, but qualifying was, um, was was really exciting there was there was really four cars that, that could have stolen pole and and, and actually you know, I thought for a minute that science was going to take it uh, after the first runs, but um, uh, didn't come to fruition in the end. Uh, ben, what was your thoughts on qualifying overall? It was—it uh, it seemed like something really competitive. I think it was really competitive, and it highlighted how close the Red Bull and the Ferrari are. Um, even though you could sense that the Ferrari had a little bit of the legs in qualifying, as I think we've, we kind of all agree that we've kind of seen all season. Um, with the with the straight line speed of the Red Bull, it really pulled them quite close to actually being able to take pole away. So um, I was wanting Perez to get pole um, when we were when we were watching it. So um, shame I didn't come off. But uh, I think I thought it was really close. And then it was a surprising order as well, mixed up order throughout the field. Uh, some teams there struggling that maybe you wouldn't expect. Yeah, Alpha were, were were right off it this weekend, weren't they? And um, you know, we just heard in in the in the predictions, a few of you had Bottas in there for either eleventh or, or even fifth in one of your case. Um, but uh, a real struggle for for Alpha, whereas the other Alpha seemed to come on strong this weekend. So um, definitely something that we can pick up on in a little bit. But I know Parkin, you wanted to mention Alonso and Hamilton from qualifying. Yeah, there were two. I don't know, incidents, non-incidents, I don't know how you want to describe them. Alonso taking a dive down a slip road when everyone was on their outlap um, in qualifying attracted some hatred from, was it Albon? I think. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, until you were speaking earlier about it, I, I, would, I thought it was quite a 
innocent mistake, but watching it back after you mentioned it earlier, I don't know. I'm still not convinced it's the most deliberate thing, but... I don't know what you're referring to, Parky. It's uh, clearly <laughs> just like the Rears. It's clear well, as day. I, in my naive initial thoughts, I, I, that's what I thought as well. <laughs> uh, what about yeah, Hamilton? Uh, I'll let you take this, Parky. Uh, uh, sorry, no, you go for it, Tom. Um, so I didn't actually witness the Hamilton uh, non-incident you labelled it. What, what, what did you? What were you referring to with that? Oh, who was it moaning on the team radio? Um, oh, Hamilton com- was under investigation, wasn't he? After uh, after qualifying for was it for impeding? Because I I saw you put uh, Hamilton it was, in there, and and I was thinking, what what's that related to? It was um, he he dropped below the delta time because he didn't want to be at the front of That's the queue, right. and he didn't want to have no didn't want to get have do his laps without a tow because he was complaining about the car that they needed the tow to get through. So there was, um, there was a shot put up and he was driving at what looks like about five miles an hour. It was very Monza. When was it? 2019 esque or whatever year it was. Um, it was, it was very much like that. And obviously they brought in the Delta, the minimum Delta rule to stop that sort of thing. And from as far as I could see, and unless he sped up magically and hit the delta, I'm not sure how he got away without getting a penalty. I missed I, missed I, what that bit was. I but. do wonder whether whether the, the the delta thing. And I'm I'm glad you've refreshed my memory on on what the situation was. But um, the the delta, correct me if I'm wrong, is set from uh, the pit lane exit to the pit lane entry line. So it's the two safety car lines, I, I think, uh, officially. <laughs> Um, given that Formula One has three sectors around the lap uh, and many, 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 many more mini sectors around the lap, should there not be uh, a way of monitoring it all the way around the lap rather than just uh, you know that uh, that kind of start to finish of the lap? Mm. I'm trying to think of a down- downside to that. Um, I guess just if you want to, you know, back off a. Of- warm your tyres in preparation for a for a um, a flyer but yeah you might have a point with that one well, maybe that's the whole point is maybe if you know if everyone's got to run to the same pace on their outlap then everyone's on a level playing field and just get on with it boys what do you think Parkin? yeah I agree especially on a track like Azerbaijan you don't want to come up to the castle section suddenly find a slow moving car out of the blue it's this isn't the worst track for it but like you mentioned Monza is it's going to cause an accident before long isn't it and that's at least out of... yeah how how long do we have to wait is it is it a case of we need to wait for a horrendous accident to happen before all of a sudden they 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 take some um uh take some a- action or 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 what uh, I mean, Andy, I'm I'm sort of posing the Formula One questions to to the other guys because I'm not sure how much you will have got chance to watch the Azerbaijan race uh, um, uh, at Le Mans. But um, yeah, what what's your thoughts on 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 that kind of issue in general? The the slow running of some of the cars uh, on their outlaps in qualifying. Well, you're absolutely right. I've, I've watched about half of the qualifying. I'm I'm sort of halfway through uh, the second second stint. Um, yeah, I think that the um, they they've got to maintain a certain speed, 
uh, if you're slight, starting to slow down. I mean, it's the first time I've seen them queue that badly uh, uh, at uh, a racetrack. Uh, and those are bizarre. I don't know why that was particularly there. I suppose everybody was trying to get a queue. It was almost like a Moto GP or a Moto 3 sort of session where <laughs> everybody was queuing up. I think uh, everyone was so desperate to find some way of getting a toe uh, at uh, Azerbaijan um, that, that it probably made it even worse than normal. I suppose that, let's let's talk about the race because um, I don't know about you guys, but I was ever so slightly disappointed by the race. Azerbaijan is normally a little bit more crazy uh, than yesterday's race was. Um, but I think there is probably one big talking point that we need to touch on, and that is, have Ferrari thrown away their chance of winning this title already? Ben? Uh, no. Um, Red Bull had the reliability issues at the start of the season, didn't they? Um, and they were quite a long way behind. Um, and I think now the tables have kind of turned and Ferrari are um, kind of on that unreliability train. But I don't think they've necessarily thrown it away. It does look bad on the constructors because it was quite a distance. They put up the constructors' points today and it is quite a distance. But I, I don't think they're totally out of it, especially in, the, in terms of the drivers. I think. We've only had, um, well, we're, we haven't even hit like 10 rounds yet. So I think there's plenty of time um, for it to even out and Ferrari just need to, they don't need to find the speed. They've got the speed. They just need to um, sort out those reliability issues, which I don't think is, you can run things maybe at 98% rather than 100% to try and look after things and they wouldn't sacrifice too much speed. So I think there are things that they can do to maybe not be totally out of this yet. Yeah, the thing I'm concerned about, and, uh, and and Tom, I'll sort of um, point this one in your direction in, in just a sec, but uh, given the, the cost cap nature of Formula One now, you know, how painful is uh, a lack of reliability early in the season going to be against that cost cap? Uh, plus there's the, the potential for engine penalties uh, as well that undoubtedly they're they're going to get at some point this season now and um, you know you, you would assume that for Red Bull as well uh, but um, the, the cost cap thing Tom um, how much is this reliability stuff going to hurt them and their ability to further develop the car as the as the season goes on oh feel free to fact check me here but I don't think engine development slash building is included in the cost cap. I believe their teams are currently looking at um, setting up a separate cost cap for um, the engine suppliers. But yeah, so I, it will definitely be more of the grid penalties that are really going to hamper them now. And this was this part of the season with um, Azerbaijan, um, what is it, Canada next, was always going to be tough for Ferrari. Um, obviously, the double DNF has kind of compounded that along with the mistakes at Monaco. So, but to answer the previous question as well, I don't think Ferrari have thrown this away yet. But I, they've they've impressed me. I think if Ferrari can employ the mental strength they must have employed to survive that horrible twenty twenty season, I think they could come back from this. That's a fair yeah, point. That's... yeah. What about you, Parkin? I agree. There, I don't think it is quite thrown it away. I think it's just the balance 
has tipped slightly in favour of Red Bull and they've just become almost that Mercedes-like machine, aren't they? They're just, I think they've had three one-twos in the last five races. The, the reliability issues have gone and Ferrari just can't quite develop the car in the same way Red Bull have to keep up. Well, it looks like that anyway. It's well, on, flipped on around quite quickly. Of, uh, on the subject of Red Bull, um, we... So if we go back to, I think maybe even episode one of this podcast, uh, I sort of suggested, oh, maybe it's uh, time for, for Red Bull to to nail their, their colours to, to the mast and choose one of their drivers and, 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 and back Verstappen, basically, which they then did at the very next race and asked uh, Perez to get out of the way. Then Perez came back and won in Monaco. All of a sudden, he's in the title hunt. He then goes to uh, Azerbaijan looks quicker than Verstappen all weekend again until we get to the race and then Red Bull ask him to kind of not fight Max so I suppose generalised question here uh, and I'll come back to you first on this one Parkin, what is going on at Red Bull in terms of uh, the championship you know, are they backing Max 100% and uh, willing to sacrifice Perez? Are they going to let Perez have a, a fair crack at this? Is there going to be some infighting between them? What's happening here and could this be the way that Ferrari get back in it? I, th- I think without wanting to put too much of a tinfoil hat on, Perez's last stop at Azerbaijan looked slow for no obvious reason, which kind of removed the problem. Not that I'm saying they did it on purpose, but I don't think Perez is consistent enough to challenge Verstappen because Verstappen's just looked locked in under the last few races. Is all right. He's not particularly much of a fight from the Ferraris, and Perez has been told to get out of his way a few times. But if it's a straight start of fight between Perez and Verstappen, I don't think there's a way Perez can win without reliability issues. But that, that's the thing. Last three races, Spain, Perez told to get out of the way of Verstappen. Verstappen wins. Uh, Monaco. Perez wins. Um, Azerbaijan, uh, Perez quicker than Verstappen all weekend, ahead of him in the race, made a great start, got himself into the lead, but then when Verstappen comes good later on in the race, uh, he wasn't told to let him through, but they said no fighting. Uh, ben, what what do you think's going on? Um, I think... I think it was more of a concern earlier in the season when they were asking him to get out of the way. When they, the the instance at Baku, I didn't feel was an issue because Max had caught up Perez by what a second a lap was it, mm-hmm. and was obviously faster. And I think he he was going to get past regardless. I don't think even if Perez had fought that, they, they still would have got past. And at that point in time, Leclerc was still in the race. So I can see why they said no fighting. I think Perez had just gone too hard on the tyres too early or was just suffering with tyre wear all weekend, which it did seem was the case. Um, actually, in race pace, he didn't, didn't seem as quick as Max um, on race pace throughout the race. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't see it being um, favouring Max in this instance. I think... Would it have happened if Perez was a second that, faster that was, than that Max? Was, that was exactly now, the question I was going to uh, I still, I would hope that they would say no fighting <laughs> in that instance. If they were going to do it for Max, I'd hope they'd do it for Sergio as well. Whether we get to a point where that is uh, required or not is another matter, because we haven't really seen that, have we? We haven't seen it where 
Perez has been let through by Max because Perez is faster. So it'll be interesting to see if that crops up in the next few races, especially while Sergio's still in the um, title fight. If it's going to happen any time, it'll be now, because Perez, despite him losing to Verstappen a few times recently, does seem absolutely on it as much as he has at any point in his career. I just It was just weird at the weekend because he was so quick in qualifying compared to every practice session, Mac, uh, he was quicker than Max. It just I don't know if it was the conditions of the race and Perez was pushing the tyres too much. Perez got fastest lap. When was the last time that Perez beat Max legitimately on fastest lap? I can't I can't remember the last time that happened. Yeah. So that over- Perez that- had the pace, but he was just burning the tyres up, I think. That overtake on, t- uh, on the first lap as well was brilliant to get the lead. I thought he had a real chance of winning that. It was a great start. It was a great launch. He uh, yeah, threw it up the inside perfectly into turn one. Um, but uh, talking of um, people in in difficult positions, uh, we need to we need to talk about Backgate. Um, that was really quite shocking watching Lewis trying to get out of the car at the end of the race. Uh, he's back, obviously in bits. Uh, interesting that George Russell apparently in the drivers briefing on Friday. Uh, piped up to talk about um, the need for for some sort of change in the regulation because of uh, uh, the potential risks of, of a big incident uh, caused by the, uh, the the bouncing of the cars or the porpoising, however you like to refer to it. Um, Tom, do you think uh, Mercedes are, are, are kind of driving this message home because they think that their opportunity to get back into things is to get everyone onto a bit of a level playing field with ride height? Or is this a real concern that, uh, that there's something really off going on here? Yeah, at first I was really convinced that, you know, it's it's convenient that the poor voice is affecting those those guys the most and they're complaining the most about it. But after listening to Toto, I, I do kind of believe now that they just want it acknowledged and the teams can work together to then find a solution. Maybe it's a separate solution for each car. But yeah, it's it's really it's almost quite sad to see you know like as as a 26 year old i'm getting on myself mm, i could kind of understand <laughs> i could kind of relate to um lewis hamilton how it seems to be affecting him more than uh, Ocon, russell despite russell being a lot taller and the taller people are apparently suffering from it a lot worse especially in the neck region so like russell and Ocon are having a horrendous time with it apparently um but yeah, it's, I, I do kind of believe them now that they, they just want it acknowledged and then maybe now the FIA works on a kind of bipartisan solution across all the teams. Maybe maybe something cool like active suspension. That'd be nice to see back. Well, but Yeah, it would. It's not a, certainly not a quick fix, though. I mean, Alex, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those situations that's really difficult for Formula 1 to manage. But uh, Christian Horner was very clear in saying that, well, there is a solution to it. They just need to raise their ride height. They won't be as competitive, but that's their problem. Um, is it as black and white as that? In theory, yes, because didn't the FIA propose to teams you run at a minimum ride height much higher than it currently is, and it was rejected, which would have probably yes. solved a lot of problems. So, it, yeah, it's just a mess. It's In terms of seasons for this to happen as well, it's they're aiming for the longest calendar ever, aren't they? And you've got a a problem what's difficult to get out of 
what's only going to get worse as the season goes along for the driver's health and whether the solution comes in the pre mid-season break or the teams just do run the ride high higher because it's literally injuring the drivers repeatedly I, I, I don't know how this resolves itself I sense so. that Ben might have an opinion <laughs> well I I saw the pictures that they put up and I think um, Chandok said something at the end of the race and had some footage which I found quite interesting that how low the Mercedes is to the ground there's basically no this basically got no ride height and the Red Bull is quite raised up not quite in like the, the old ethos that they had with the with the amount of rake but it was a lot higher and so it appears that some cars are designed to be higher the ferrari seems lower um but not as low as the Merc. so i i think i think rather than a blanket um a blanket ride height if they've got the the g test i can't remember one of you mentioned it when we were chatting before um you've got the g chat the vertical g tests that you can do and any team not meeting that needs to raise their ride height accordingly to stop it i think that would be a better way around it to be honest i don't think i don't think blanket ride height changes or setup changes across the board when some teams have are either have either designed a car that won't do that or are running a car that purposely won't it won't be as severe and losing out on time and i think merck are trying to as as much as we obviously respect toto um what he said did not particularly sit well with me really because yeah. I, I feel like if if they wanted to they could rise raise the ride height up and get around it that way um and then make up the, the time somewhere else or you know any any other any other ways around it it did feel a little bit it felt quite christian horner a few years ago poking at uh engine maps and all that sort of thing <laughs> um i didn't didn't like that either so um yeah I wasn't a big fan of what Toto was saying yesterday. Well, uh, I, I just want a yes or no from from each of you, uh, and ignore what he said in the press today because um, uh, he was bound to say that today. But uh, is Lewis Hamilton going to drive in Canada next weekend, Alex? Yes, but I don't know if he'll finish the whole weekend. Tom. Yes. Ben. Yes. Andy. Yes. Okay, so uh, everyone thinks he's going to be there in Canada. Um, when he when he was trying to get out of the car, I I, I thought there's, mm. there's no chance he's gonna, because as much as anything, it's a lot of flying to be doing going transatlantic to Canada. But um, I'm sure he'll manage in his private jet, Adam. Come on, next question. <laughs> It'll be all right. It'll be nice and comfy. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was pretty much, pretty much what the missy said to me after I said that yesterday. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, look, so we've 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 talked about uh, qualifying and uh, Ferrari's reliability and Red Bull getting away at the front now and the Red Bull team orders and porpoising and the the back troubles and things like that. When we talk about DNFs, there are a couple of drivers who are getting it worse than anyone else right now. Uh, Zhou Guanyu and Carlos Sainz. Uh, I would not be rushing out and buying a lottery ticket if I was either of those drivers. Uh, Tom, what do these guys have to do to catch a break? Um, get the Renault power trade in their car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I 
Mr. Corporate toe the line there. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll try Ben instead. Ben, what do these guys have to do to catch a break? Not have a Ferrari engine. Oh, my God. Well, seriously, though. But seriously. Science, science what, what, was a what hydraulics issue, wasn't he? Was it, was it not uh, engine related? No, I thought it was hydraulic. Okay, well then don't have a Ferrari, have something else. <laughs> I, I think in, in all seriousness, I think they were just unlucky with the heat. I don't know if it's something to do with the heat that was going on mm. um, at the weekend because it was severely hot um, and the cars are maxed for a high percentage of the, uh, of the race. I think we were bound to have reliability issues but yeah it didn't look particularly good for ferrari that ferrari engine units were breaking and ferrari systems were breaking mm. it's difficult to really get much of a gauge on how joe grand news getting on uh at alpha um given that uh he's he's having terrible luck with dnf so uh hopefully that starts to fix itself uh soon um but uh, one of the other things i wanted to just point out was the ridiculousness of the British Touring Car Championship style gaffer tape gate that there was partway through the race. I- I'm not trying to be funny. I know some of you absolutely loved it, but that worried me. That was that was the main plane of the rear wing. If that had gone halfway down the straight because the bit of tape hadn't held, uh, we could have had an almighty crash there. I was really surprised he wasn't called straight back in. I mean... Tom, I don't know uh, what what the guys in your factory were were saying today. Whether that that came up as subject to conversation, um, it was, but no one seems to know the rules about it. Um, me especially, it's it's quite interesting because yeah, like you said, you have every right to fix that. But obviously, these cars are a lot faster than touring cars, and um, maybe not in a straight line, but around corners and stuff. Uh, NASCARs, which employ similar um, repair methods. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's it's a real grey area, so I kind of respect their strategy of come in, tape it up, and just get out before the angry FIA man could come down. Yeah, I mean, is there not also something about weight here? I mean, look, one piece of tape is not going to add a huge amount of weight, but, uh, you know, is it allowed for a car to come in for a pit stop towards the end of the race, for example, and for them to wrap so much tape around it that it's all of a sudden enough weight uh, to pass the, the the checks at the end of the race. I mean, where's the line on on this? I mean, Alex, what was your thoughts when you saw it happening? I felt really sorry for Yuki to be honest, because it Loki had a very very good mm. race, and did he lose one position due to it or two? But yeah, it's bizarre because we had the was it Leclerc at Curta a few years ago where we had a bit of his car fly off and just ignored the meatball flags and. It just seems a bit, like you say, a bit relaxed about massive hunks of bodywork flying off the car, potentially. I, I was worried about that. I don't know about you, Ben. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, but uh, that's the British Touring Car, NASCAR ethos in my mind, and maybe even endurance racing. I think it does beg, it does raise bigger questions of um, the FIA being there while repairs are being done mm. and checking cars before they go um because that is something that happens in other forms of motor racing is that you need to have agreed the change or the the fix before it goes out and it did feel a little bit like alpha tower just made the decision 
did the quick job and there was no check on it or anything it was literally wrap the tape up and go so i can i can understand why um deary and people on commentary etc were concerned about the car going out like that indeed look let's move on to our uh ddo of the weekend so driver donkey and overtake of the weekend uh, i'll start you off with my driver of the weekend uh and i, I, I as I always do, I, I chucked in my, my vote uh, online as well for this. Uh, for me, it was Sebastian Vettel. I thought he had an exceptional weekend. Uh, again, a bit like Yuki Tsunoda, it was very low-key. Uh, kept himself to himself. I know he's a bit of a Baku specialist. Uh, he was on the podium there last year. But even so, I thought he had a really, really solid weekend in what is uh, a difficult car. So it was uh, Sebastian Vettel for me. Uh, Alex, what about yours? I've written Yuki, but I was almost tempted to go for Hamilton to finish fourth with, like, probably numbness in his back and it was in agony. But I, th- I think Yuki just wins it for me. I felt sorry for him with a late pit stop. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tom? I'm with you on Sebastian Vettel, if if nothing more than for the um, amazing spin. <laughs> in oh, the escape yes. road. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Bang on, wasn't it? It was really good. It's amazing. Yeah. Um and, and a solid recovery after that. I'd actually uh, mm. um uh completely missed out his his mistake in in all of that. Um but uh yeah, no, it's uh it was a fair, fair piece of work from Sebastian. Uh, what about you, Ben, your driver of the weekend? Uh, I said uh, Gasly. I think um, I think uh, Sonoda and Seb were were equally impressive. But I think Gasly got held up for quite a long time in traffic and still managed to break away and nearly beat Lewis at the end as well. So I was, it was good to see him back because I know he's had some issues um, with some relatively poor results and things. So yeah, it was it was good to see him back and fighting up because he was kind of catching uh, George at one point as well which was quite impressive until he burnt out the tyres so yeah, good overall race for him It's interesting actually that, that there, was, there was a few drivers who had a uh, an impressively uh, strong weekend but as, um, as somebody said earlier, they did it in a low key way so yeah, very good uh, Andy, I, I assume you can't really comment on a on a driver of the weekend? No, no, afraid not um, and um overtakes i saw quite a few of those in the qualifying i've seen so far so <laughs> <laughs> well let's uh let's do donkey of the weekend uh, again i'll i'll start i'll start us off here um for me it's pretty simple uh nicholas latifi nothing else to say i i i'm convinced that he's not going to finish the season uh i'm really really convinced that he's not mm. um I, I like the guy he seems like a really nice guy and uh, has shown some impressive flashes at, at times in the past but uh yeah i think he's uh he's maybe just um run out a little bit what about you alex i've gone for his uh countryman stroll yeah that was the, that was uh... a close second <laughs> <laughs> neither of them are having a good season are they stroll binned it twice in qualifying and then was just nowhere in the race some good news for them though it's their home grand prix this weekend so <laughs> See if they can put on a show there. Uh, Tom, your donkey of the weekend? Yep, I'm with Alex on this one. I, I think Stroll's had the worst weekend, just for where his teammates finished. Yeah, obviously Vettel's different gravy, but ugh, come on, Stroll. Come on, yeah, yeah. Ben? 
Uh, I said stroll as well. I, I crashing once and qualifying was something, but managing to do it twice in about three minutes is pretty up there for me. And then he was nowhere in the race. So <laughs> I, I yeah. honestly have no clue why they decided to carry on there. Those tires were obviously going to be absolutely ruined and flat spotted to hell. So why he wasn't boxed, uh, I, I don't know. But um, that's what happens when yeah. when silly decisions are made. Uh, okay, overtake of the weekend. Mine um, is actually really quite simple. Uh, it was um, Sergio Perez into Turn One. Uh, I thought it was a it was a great launch off the line and a, and a really nice overtake. Uh, a, a lovely battle between him and Leclerc there. What about you, Alex? Yep, uh, exactly the same. Pretty much exactly the same reasons. Lovely stuff. Good. Tom? Yep. Bit of same overtake. It was just so, so clean. Loved it. Ben? Uh, it was, for me, it was Seb on Ocon, take two. <laughs> so the second time he tried it, <laughs> Ocon was a lot closer on the inside and he, and he managed to actually break in time this time and made the corner and took the place around the outside. So that was pretty impressive for me. Yeah, good stuff. Well, um, that that kind of brings us to the end of talking about uh, Azerbaijan. Um, got some good news now, guys. That means it's quiz time. Yeah. Have you got a theme tune? Uh, da, 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 it's quiz time. Ba, da, man, bum, ba. Did it went to record that for you? No, I just needed that for the uh, for the stream notifications. For followers and things. No, it's not good, but uh, there we go. Right. Um, okay. This week is uh, entirely Formula One related. Um, and I, I, I did that because I looked at uh, our guest list and then I forgot that Andy was coming on to talk about Le Mans. I should have thrown a Le Mans question in there as well. Uh, so my apologies that I didn't, Andy, but hopefully you're you're up there with your Formula One knowledge as well. Uh, and yeah, uh, get stuck in here. Um, right, so question number one is worth three points. Uh, we are talking about Formula One in 1994. There were three teams that began with the letter L. I want you to name all three of them. So there were three teams that began with the letter L. I want you to name all three of them. Now, one of them, somebody may be picky and say that there was, a, a, you know, the potential of another word in front of it, but um, you, you can you can just leave right now. Uh, it's the three teams that begin with the letter L. Uh, I want you to name all three of them. Now, question two uh, is a little bit more modern. So, Tom, breathe a sigh of relief here. Uh, it's 2017 Formula One. Uh, in 2017, there were 10 teams in the championship. For 10 points, I want you to name all 10 of them. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, just whilst you're doing that, I am going to ask the, the final question as well, which I think is probably the simplest of the lot. I want to know who won the last non-hybrid F1 race. So who won the last non-hybrid era F1 race? So there we are. So we're looking what was what was the 10 teams one? 2017. 
just the 10 teams that competed. The 10 teams that competed in Formula oh. 1 2017. Without looking it up, chaps. Uh, of <laughs> course, as always. Uh, so there we go. We will return to do the answers um, towards uh, towards the end of the Sorry, Adam. podcast. Was yes. that dri- driver or team who won? The last race. The driver who won driver. the last race. Doesn't help me that much, but <laughs> it's uh, it's only a one point of that one. Um, but uh, there you go. Right. So uh, let's uh, let's just quickly uh, check in on some motorsport news before we head uh, across the channel and uh, into France to Le Mans. Um, a bit of motorsport news, uh, Alex. I think you wanted to talk about Formula One briefly. Uh, sorry, Formula uh, Two. Formula Two. <laughs> close, close enough. Same track. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if any of you caught Azerbaijan F2, but the F1 is usually quite chaotic. Uh, the F2 is usually more chaotic, and this was especially ridiculous. So in the feature race, you had Eurovips leading with five minutes left, who then nailed the wall in the castle section, mm-hmm. uh, which gave uh, Hauger his first feature race win. Uh, However, the fun didn't quite stop there after the race because he then had Cordiel receiving a race ban for 12 points in four races, which is some going. Um, so he's, he got points for ignoring track limits, ignoring yellow flags, ignoring red flags, not completing a formation lap correctly, and causing a collision at Baku, which gave him his ban. Wow. Um, first driver since Raganathayan to pick up a race ban in F2, which is esteemed company. Oh, so that puts him in full goat territory now. Exactly. However, it didn't quite stop there either because then uh, you had the ex esports driver Bolabassi, is it? Bollock his Bassi, dad. Ken Bollock Bassi, yeah. Yes, he had a brawl in the pit lane with Roy Nassani and his personal trainer, so that was good. Oh my god. <laughs> Repping yeah, the pa- sim racing world well there. Exactly, yeah. So Nassani called Bollock Bassi an idiot on the radio after a collision, and then his dad took him to task in the pit lane and it spilled over from there. Who's and dad? He's now... uh, Bollock Bassi's dad. So was Bollock Bassi involved in the in the punch up as well? No, no, just just his, just dad. his dad. Oh my good god! <laughs> the Bollock Bassi got a fine for that as well, which is pretty frustrating if you're him. Well, I hope his dad paid the fine. <laughs> You'd hope so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben, you were going to talk about things that go left. <laughs> yes, but the, the weekend they weren't going left, so <laughs> they weren't oh. just going left. So it was a NASCAR at sort of Sonoma at the weekend, um, which for those of you that don't know, is a road course. Uh, it's not an oval. Um, and NASCAR had their first ever Mexican winner of a race. Uh, it was Daniel Suarez. Uh, yeah, re- really competitive all weekends and uh, kind of raced away with the final, the final stage won by actually quite a distance in the way in the, in the end. Um, and aside from being, the first Mexican to win a NASCAR race, he, or in the Cup Series at least, the first Mexican to win a Cup Series race. Um, he's also only the fifth non-American to uh, win a NASCAR race in the history of Cup Series. So pretty fascinating, actually. It was uh, fantastic to watch the the celebrations, etc. because he's not a rookie. He's been in there for quite a few seasons. I think he's nearly at 200 races. So to see him actually finally win a race he's been close before but actually to win a race was uh fantastic yeah mm, very good and i was going to chuck in um uh, one last uh bit of motorsport news and that is 
you know we've we've talked in the past about where would we really like to see um a, a grand prix at and there's one track that comes up time and time again in people's suggestions any any suggestions from you guys where would you like to see a formula one race i know the answer so i'll keep my mouth shut okay well just uh, give us your, your general <laughs> list of places you'd like to see formula one races Road Atlanta. Uh, Road, oh, Road Atlanta. Oh, yeah, I'd love that. Ben? I was going to say Watkins, so that's not that far off. Well, okay, I'm not sure we can quite stomach a fourth uh, uh, American <laughs> Grand Prix next year. Parking? Damn it, I was going to say uh, India, but... Um, <laughs> uh, We're all secretly Don- American. Donington. Donington. Oh. I'd have to say Brands as well, having watched uh, my first Formula One race at Brands. Wow. Mm. Okay, showing your age there, Andy. I'm afraid, yeah, but uh, never mind. Um, well, the 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 name that, that or the track that comes up a lot, uh, fairly high in people's lists, is Kyalami. Uh, now, anyone know where Formula One boss Stefano Domenicali has been today? Is it uh, Johannesburg by any chance? Yeah, he's been in South Africa talking. Uh, to the South Africans about the return of a South African Grand Prix to Kyalami from next season. Uh, so um, that could be really interesting. And I know Formula One is very, very keen to get a race in Africa. Uh, the closest um, that they get at the moment is is the Middle East. Um, but uh, nothing actually on the continent of Africa at the moment. And Kyalami is the place that makes most sense. Uh, last held a Formula One Grand Prix in. Uh, anyone got the answer to that one off the top of their head? Eighty-four, ninety something. Yeah, nineteen ninety-three was the answer. Uh, so last held a Formula One Grand Prix in nineteen ninety-three, um, and uh, could be back as early as next season. They're now talking about next season being twenty-four races. Um, there is some horrendously tragic news off the back of it, though. Mm. It's likely to replace Spa. Oh, just have to reprofile the Rouge. Mm-hmm. So, is this April Fool's Day? No, apparently there is, <laughs> there is a list of tracks uh, in in um, order of priority to be ditched uh, for new races. And Spa currently sits at the top of that list because they believe that the facilities at the track are not keeping up with the facilities of other tracks around the world. Um, It doesn't mean the end for Spa. It may become one of these uh, rotated races. So it's put in every now and again. Um, We know that Monaco's on that list and uh, at risk as well. Um... But yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I, I can't quite imagine Formula One without Spa, to be honest. And uh, as much as I'd love to see them drive at Kyle Army, uh, not in replacement of Spa, thank you very much. Mm. But uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. Um, obviously, this is just stuff on Twitter, so I'm not too scared yet. This could just be scare tactics by uh, Dimitri to get Spa to shape up, but. Yeah, I, I don't want to see Spar gone at all. Uh, yeah, I can't see with all the remodel work that's been going on. Like yeah. the reprofiled stuff looks excellent, um, and well, the work that they'll be doing. Primarily, haven't they? 
um, one of the reasons for it was for bikes, yes, but also it was to try and mitigate issues like we'd seen in WEC where we had a couple of LMP2 drivers get seriously injured at that corner because there wasn't enough runoff and also Lando's lucky escape in the wet last season, things like that. Mm. Um, so partly for bikes, but partly just for... I think a couple of the other changes on the track, Adam, were for, for bike related. And whenever yeah, he profiled a couple of, corner, a couple of the other no corners. Definitely no-name, the second option. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Bikes, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I really... Can you imagine the uproar from the dedicated fan base yeah. if they tried to get rid of Spa? I think we, we had conversations previously... Or at least you've had conversations here here previously about Monaco, for instance. I think I listened to that one rather than got involved in that one. It's probably a good idea because the thing I wasn't on that one. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, ditch Monaco before Spa. Come on. <laughs> There's enough uproar to remove Monaco, and that doesn't produce good racing. And Spa's got the legacy and the entertainment value. Mm. Yeah, I mean, last year's race was superb. <clears throat> Anyway, uh, let's let's move on quickly to the uh, <laughs> to, to the, the the second part of uh, of tonight's podcast, uh, and that is to talk about uh, Lee Mann's two four her, uh, aka the Le Mans twenty four hours. Now, Andy, uh, you were there, so tell us when you when you left, um, how you got there, what the weekend was like. Just give us an overview from a fan's perspective. Of what it's like to go to Lee Mans. Yeah, sure. So, um, give you a bit of, bit of background as well. I've been quite a few years. Last time I went was 2016. Uh, real life cropped up, got in the way, and then COVID got in the way. So it was it was great to go back. Um, um, it's it's an experience. The whole thing is just an experience. Uh, the racing is just part of it. So we we left on the uh, on Thursday morning. Uh, bright and early, left uh, home about five o'clock. Yeah. Uh, got down to the Euro Tunnel. The Euro Tunnel and the whole drive into France is just just great because it is just um, well. The best way of describing it is Ferrari, Porsche, Ferrari, Porsche, Aston Martin, <laughs> Porsche, Porsche. Oh look, there's a TVR, Ferrari, Porsche, and it's just like that. Sports cars everywhere. The odd Lamborghini thrown in as well. Uh, there, we were a group of five guys uh, who um, we've known each other a good many years. Started uh, all racing in uh, radio control cars together, um, and uh, Andy Thorpe, who races with us as well, was uh, one of those guys uh, uh, with us as well. So, but because there was five of us, we travelled down in a Volkswagen van. So not quite the uh, nice the luxury car that everybody else had, but it did mean that we got the barbecue and the beer in and the uh uh tents etc etc so so all good from that point the only thing we couldn't take with us was bacon what <laughs> what what why well there is bacon gate is basically the description uh so basically uh after brexit uh we are not allowed to take fresh meat into france or into into europe I, I, so, hang, on a minute. hang on a minute <laughs> I mean, look, we don't want to get political here, but what we can't take bacon with us on holiday to France. No, we can't. Wow. Okay, right. Well, we'll move on from that before uh, anyone dishes any political opinions. We certainly don't want to do that here. But uh, so, no bacon, but barbecue was uh, was present. So y- you couldn't take sausages either. 
no. So we had to buy we had to buy meat when we arrived in France. What about burgers? Sausages. Uh, we had buy sausages and burgers in France, which wasn't a problem. But they don't really sell bacon. No. Oh man. Which is the big problem. So breakfast was sausages most days, rather than sausage and bacon or bacon or whatever. So bit of a shame. But uh, there were there were various. There's various groups on Facebook, etc., going down there, and there was various discussions about do we uh, do we try and smuggle sauce, uh, bacon in? Do we try and uh, what what happens if you uh, get caught? And I thought it was a brilliant response. One guy asked, uh, "What happens if we uh, if we get caught smuggling bacon?" And the guy turned around and said, "No bacon." <laughs> but uh, yeah, so apart from the bacon, all good. So yeah, we arrived. Um, um, Thursday early afternoon, uh, just in time to get set up basically, and then we got into the circuit ready for uh, Super Pole. So we saw the Super Pole session, and then after that, there was a two-hour uh, session, basically uh, last last practice session, uh, which was running from 10, 10 p.m. until uh, till midnight. So we sat there and watched that and had a few drinks while we did that. Uh, eight euros a pint. Oh. Could you uh, not take uh, your own beer in? Uh, no, not into the circuit. Is there anything you are allowed to do there? <laughs> so you can you can take beer into the campsite, yeah. but you can't take it in bottles anymore. They've stopped um, people taking glass bottles into the campsites uh, because bottles were getting smashed, etc., and they use it for grazing. Um, right, uh, no, that's fair enough. And yeah, I think yeah. I think uh, when I when I go camping at Silverstone, it's the same rule there, if I remember rightly, for for the same reason. That that makes sense. That's that's fine. I'm okay with that rule. Yeah, but no, we got we got searched going into the site. Uh, we managed to smuggle a cup couple of beers in our uh, fold up chairs uh, and managed to get a couple in there. But yeah, eight euros a pint. I thought it was going to be worse than that, so I was pleasantly surprised. Well, not pleasantly surprised, but surprised. Uh, so, but. Uh, that that was uh, Thursday. Friday was uh, a rest day, effectively. So basically, the teams rebuild the cars. So we uh, we had a walk around the uh, the Le Mans village, which is basically a, a shopping centre, uh, loads of little shopping areas. Myself and Andy did a bit of sim racing, which was uh, all good fun. Nice. Uh, Who uh, won? And, uh, Andy won, and I finished third. So uh, not too bad. Uh, I, I actually put, I was on, on pole. It was an auto uh, put on pole, and I got punted at the first corner. I could have sworn it was him, but he denied all knowledge. So. <laughs> uh, uh, listen, listen. If it, it, no instant chat in here, you know, please submit it uh, to, to race director, <laughs> and uh, and he'll take a look at it. I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it was the guy actually who sat behind me. Apparently, my mate said he got he got a bit of a talking to, saying no, uh, no, no contact allowed. So. Please, no Punterino. And one thing I would say was that that sim racing was quite prevalent there as well. So the last time I went in 2016, it was very much um, PS4s and uh, Gran Turismo and the Nissan, uh, where the Nissan were building up drivers through sim racing, that type of thing. But this year it was far more uh, AC with Fanatec gear, proper rigs, etc., I got to drive the race. The race I just talked about. We drove the new uh, Peugeot uh, LMDH car oh, uh, nice. on AC, and then we also had a, a quick go on the uh, on RF2, driving uh, an LMP1 car as well. So 
uh, yeah, things things have moved on from a sim racing point of view, which is obviously relevant to how we guys, uh, what we guys do. Um, so Friday was walking around. Uh, they, they then open up the pits, and you can have a walk through the pits. We didn't actually do that this year because we ran out of time. But uh, they also did a uh, you could do a circuit walk, and that's the first time they've done that. Uh, oh, wow. oh, really? That's yeah, cool. we did. We didn't do it uh, because we it, they didn't open it till two, uh, and then you you can walk into town in the evening and go to drivers' prey. And we just didn't have time to do the whole walk. One of the guys who's a bit of a runner with us. Uh, actually run around the circuit, uh, uh, which which he said was really good. But we walked all the way from the start-finish line out through Tet Rouge just to the start of Mulsane, and then we walked back to our campsite from there. Well, so in the evening... This talk of walking is making my foot hurt. Uh, but, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, I think one, one of the guys said we did about 40,000 steps over the weekend. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we went into town on the uh, on the Friday night, and they have a drivers' parade, um, which is basically uh, an excuse to stand at the side of the road, drink more beer. Mm. Uh, there's never any toilets, uh, though. There's loads of places selling beer, but you can't find anywhere to uh, to uh, get rid of it, which gets a bit <laughs> of a problem towards the end. Uh, but basically, the drivers' parade is the drivers sitting in the back of old older sports cars that type of thing throwing out um paraphernalia to the uh, to the fans caps t-shirts that type of thing uh and it's it's normally really really busy and this year seemed a little bit quieter actually and it's uh than the last time i went and i think the whole weekend was that little bit quieter really i, I expected they... it to be busy no it, it was it was busy but not as not as busy as normal i think next year will be really busy because it's the 100th celebration next year. Peugeot will be back. Oh, uh, ben, I think that's just nailed it on, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll all be there next year, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Bentley went back or Jaguar went back, it would be absolutely manic. Mm. Andy, a quick question from me. One thing I've always been really interested about, Le Mans, do the festivities, do like the crowds and the partying and the drinking persist into like the proper graveyard shift like the yeah. really late night stints yeah wow yeah so uh when we, when we came back on the friday evening after the parade and a meal there was a concert going on so we we joined into a, a concert uh that was going on till about one uh and then Jesus. then we uh went back to the campsite uh to get ready for the next day uh the on the Saturday evening, they had the Stranglers playing, but uh, we didn't get a chance to see that. We were watching the racing. But yeah, Saturday afternoon, the race started at four, and you will generally get people who will just sit on the bank for 24 hours. Wow. And and you'll, you'll get out there early in the morning, and there'll be people <laughs> asleep in sleeping bags on, on the bank. <laughs> <laughs> and those, those who have been enjoying the festivities too much might not have the sleeping bag. They'll just be lying on the bank. <laughs> that is some commitment. Oh, it is. Love yeah, that. yeah. I mean, we 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 sat. I think we finished up back at the campsite about uh, about half twelve, uh, and turned in for the night. Andy Thorpe got up early and uh, went off for a uh, a walk round with his camera to get some pictures and everything early in the morning with the sunrise mm. and stuff. But uh, mm. yeah, I had a little bit of a lay in. Although I'll tell you tell you a little funny story with Andy on this one here. 
he got his uh, he found the key for the van in the in the tent opened up the van got his camera camera out of it disappeared off i'm lying in bed five o'clock in the morning there's a bloody car alarm go off and uh i thought oh who's who's left their car open car alarm going off sort of laid there waiting for it to stop it stopped and then it started again i looked over and i saw it was our lights were flashing so i had to get up oh. and close the van and he'd left the back door open slightly which had set the alarm off oh no oh i bet he was popular <laughs> yeah. especially with a guy over over the road from us who had the same van who was out there trying to turn his off as well <laughs> oh man yeah so uh, yeah we we went back into well we we um uh were sitting there eating breakfast getting ready just to go in packed all the tents up uh ready to leave on sunday afternoon and the uh both the uh corvettes went out virtually the same time mm. which was so disappointing because they'd been so quick so impressive absolutely gutted for nick tandy on that one uh but we went back into the circuit watched uh watched the racing up until four o'clock and then literally grand depart uh we parked the van a little bit closer to to the exit, so we we got away pretty well, and then we had a, a little bit of a problem on the way home. In as much as about ten ten minutes outside of Le Mans, the uh, the battery light came on and the power steering failed in the van, and uh, basically the serpentine belt uh, tension pulley had uh, disintegrated. There was just a bearing left rather than a pulley, which sheared the belt as well. Uh, we probably overloaded with a uh, uh five iphones on charge and uh sat nav on charge ac going two to the dozen because it was so warm out there uh and uh yeah just uh just failed so uh jay jason our driver he um uh, brave braved it up and drove all the way back to le mans with no power steering uh just on the battery <laughs> all, and, the way, uh, all the way to the uh to the euro tunnel yep yeah yeah get to the euro tunnel and uh, I don't know if anyone's recently been to Euro Tunnel, but basically they have a car park where you have to drive up and down it. You can't just get to where you're going. <laughs> we had to go through the whole way through the car park, very tight turns between all the cars. <laughs> Poor guy struggling to do uh, turn turn uh, the van around this. Anyway, we got onto the train, trying to th come up with some fixes for the uh, uh, for the van. Uh, we'd read that cable ties will work in replace for serpent belt serpentine belt so we fixed put some cable ties on it seemed to be spinning okay we thought about mounting a generator on top of the van to power <laughs> to power a uh, battery charger sitting under the bonnet because <laughs> our biggest concern at this point was that although it was still running it was going to be dark by the time we got back to the uk and we needed to put lights on and uh lo and behold we couldn't charge the battery uh the the cable ties didn't didn't suffice so we ended up uh we got as far as medway just past uh, canterbury uh and managed to get off of the uh m2 uh pulled it managed to pull up just outside a, a bowling alley and a mcdonald's that's a good place to pull up exactly <laughs> be bad. and had to phone for recovery and eventually uh got picked up at 2 30 in the morning and got home at about four I am. Oh, wow. Man. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the true greatest endurance event. 
<laughs> Absolutely. So in 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 a word, Andy, uh to anyone who's not been to Le Mans before, would you recommend it? I've been trying to book next year today. Oh, that's a that's a yes mm. then. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't say more than that, can you? No, no, you definitely can't. It sounds like a uh like a fantastic um event to go to so it's always been yeah. on my bucket list so uh next year does sound like a does sound like a good option i reckon yeah and i i'd say as well that i've i've done quite quite a bit a few motorsport events in my time i've done Tatona 500 i've done uh uh indycar in in uh la uh i've done uh world karting championships formula 1 at Spa circuits in the UK, uh, British touring cars, Formula Ford festivals, all of those sort of things, and yeah, I, I keep going back to Le Mans. I don't go to Formula One anymore. Wow, that's uh, a ringing endorsement. Um, yeah. So I suppose we probably should talk about the the, the race itself. Um, so winners were Toyota for uh, the the fifth win in a row uh, obviously it's difficult to say fifth year in a row because things all got a little bit muddled up with um i don't know there was some sort of disease going on um but uh, sebastian buemi uh, brendan hartley and uh, rio hirakawa uh won this year's race for toyota um can anyone stop toyota lads oh, we'll find out at monza with Persia. yeah indeed and uh We'll see. Uh, we'll see who can who can bring home the bacon. Um, although not uh, not bring it with them, obviously. Um, I don't think next so. year's race. Uh, but uh, Andy, you mentioned about Corvette. Uh, so what happened to the two cars? I I know what happened to one of them, but uh, just just fill everyone else in. So the the uh, so the the Nick Tandy car uh, Simpson car they were. Um... They had just got back into the lead, so they'd been leading early on. They just got back into the lead, and uh, two LMP2s basically decided to uh, overtake them at the same time. Uh, one went through the middle and balked a little bit as the the other LMP2 moved slightly towards it, and the uh, Corvette was the uh, suffered uh, straight into the barrier and destroyed the uh, front uh, front left corner. I think it was. Uh, so that was out, uh, which is a real shame. The other car uh, had had uh, gone into the barrier with the rear end, and they kept uh, trying to repair it. Uh, but eventually, they put their hands up and said that uh, they they couldn't repair it; it was too dangerous to be to continue. So they retired it, and that one retired about five minutes before the accident with the uh, the leading car. So, oh, real shame, real shame. They were they were very quick. I mean, it's it's the last year that you're going to see GTE pros there as well, because it's going a uh, GT3. Um, so that that was a shame that they couldn't win that. And I I, I was I, I, getting into the politics of motor racing again, but uh, I was a little disappointed. They were talking about the GT3 regulations and what they're going to be. Um, and obviously, you think of GT3 as a effectively a, a a championship where all the cars are pretty much the same throughout the world. Mm. DTM might be slightly different, but WEC are talking about introducing a uh, WEC body kit for uh, GT3 cars. 
but they'll be the same car, but they'll just introduce a, G a WEC body kit. So effectively, all that's going to happen is the teams will have to spend another 100,000 uh, euros on body kits for effectively the same car. Uh, and sounds like the teams don't, don't want it. It's just a WEC thing. So a bit that, of a shame if that comes off. That's that's interesting because the whole the whole move to GT3 was kind of billed as a, they're matching the specs from SRO, IMSA, etc. So I, I'm amazed that they want to come come back and change it. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a shame. If that, if that is the case, that's that's a real shame because it will it might cost some of the teams out with that. Yeah, totally. Guess, totally so, yeah. yeah. First, I'd heard of it over the weekend. Uh, we listened to a, a, a show called uh, Radio Le Mans, so they broadcast the whole time you're there in, in English, so you can get that on FM radio. And, and they were talking about, about it. That's to say, the first time I'd heard about it. Well, uh, tough night or, or morning as it was for, for Corvette in the end. Um, how... How did Michael Fassbender get on? Um, so anyone who doesn't know, Michael Fassbender is uh, is an actor. Um, been in things like Steve Jobs and uh, and The Counselor, Twelve Years a Slave, X Men, um, and no, I did not have to IMDb that. I did, um, but uh, he made his Le Mans debut. So uh, and if you guys catch how he got on. Hey. Go on, Andy. Yeah, go on. I just I didn't see a lot of him. The only time I did see anything of him, he he'd spun. Uh, I think it was the end of Mulsanne. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he um, he spun it by himself somewhere, which you know, fair enough. It's <laughs> at the end of the day, he's an AM driver in his first Le Mans. I think one spin will let him off. Um, uh, the only other time I saw him off was when someone was trying to put a lap on him, understeered into him and put him off i think it was it indy was it um and so um i, I think he, from what he was saying afterwards he enjoyed it but i think he, he did get <laughs> a rough time of it at times <laughs> unfortunately is that a, a long old way to race and is it for three or four years has been training for yeah and um it's it's interesting that um obviously he's um he's in the dempsey car um so patrick dempsey's kind of admitted that he kind of got him into it because he obviously did a little bit of racing himself um before before sorting the car his cars out so um as an actor himself so it's kind of interesting that um an actor has led to another actor coming into it but he has had to wait around for i think it was like three years or something to finally to finally do it so it's it's good to see not just him but all the ams and things and people getting involved i think that's the spirit of le mans isn't it I suppose getting some drivers um, with uh, their own following or, or their own name from something else, you know, might just attract other people to actually watch Le Mans and motorsport in general. So, uh, yeah, I suppose it's easy for us to scoff at uh, gentleman drivers and, uh, and things like that. But uh, no, it's always interesting to see other people take it on. Um, so, Andy, is there anything else we need to talk about from from Le Mans? Is there anything else sort of jumping out in your mind that uh, that really has been missed so far? No, I don't think so. I think we've pr covered it pretty well. I mean, I think that the the it, it's difficult when you're there to actually follow the race is 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 difficult. We we ended up trying to sit in front of a video screen, big big screen, so you can you can try and follow the race, and you've obviously got. Uh, 
English-speaking FM radio that I just mentioned. Uh, but I, I've still got the 24 hours of the race to watch myself now I'm back uh, and see what I missed. And you're going to do that? You're going to sit and watch all 24 hours? Yeah, I will do over the, over the next few weeks. Wow. I know the result, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, spoiler alert, but... Uh... <laughs> Uh, look, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and sharing uh, the stuff from from uh, a supporter's point of view. I think you've probably um, boosted Le Mans ticket sales uh, single-handedly there because I don't know about anyone else, but I really fancy it now. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think anyone else who's who's listened will probably be thinking that as well. Um, yep. Look, before we wrap things up tonight, we have got to do the quiz answers. Are you guys ready for this? Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, silence is golden, hey? Uh, right, so let's go with question one. So, in 1994, three teams beginning with the letter L. Uh, this is in Formula One. So, Alex, tell me one of them. Legia? Le- yeah? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Legia, yes. Legia is one of them. Uh, Tom, did you get one of the other two? Oh, let's see. Lola. Lola, no, I'm afraid not. Uh, incorrect. Ben? Uh, LaRue? Yes, LaRousse, yep, uh, was uh, was one of the other ones. Uh, butchering and... the French language. Yeah, well, yeah, LaRue. Uh, yeah. Um, Andy, did you get the other one? Lebre? No. It was Lotus. Oh, oh, I wrote that too. down as a... <laughs> yeah, it was Lotus. It was, I think, it was the final year of Lotus, if I remember correctly. Uh, Lotus Mugen, um, Johnny Herbert was driving for them. Uh, so yeah, there we go. So Lotus, Larousse, and Legia. And that, uh, Lotus was the one that I said people might question because I think their their entry name was Team Lotus, but um, yeah, it's an L. Uh, right. So we'll get your your points in just a moment. Um, next one was 2017 Formula 1 season there were 10 different teams in the championship that year uh so we're going to go through and name all of them i'm just making sure i've got the list in front of me that's why i'm sort of talking quite slowly uh parkin give me two please renault and mclaren so McLaren and Renault, yes, both correct. So that's two of them done. Uh, Tom? Uh, Toro Rosso and Red Bull. Yep, Toro Rosso and Red Bull. So that's four of them. Ben, another two, please. Uh, Mercedes and Sauber. Mercedes, uh, yes. And Sauber, yes. So that is six. We've got four left to go. Andy? Force India. Yes, very Ferrari. good. Yep, Force India. And Ferrari? Ferrari, yes, nobody had mentioned Ferrari yet. Uh, so I see that we have two left. So, Parkin, have you got any of the other two? Is it, is it Haas and Williams? Haas and Williams, yes. So the full entry list was Scuderia Ferrari, Sahara Force India, uh, Haas F1, uh, McLaren Honda, uh, Mercedes AMG Patronus, Red Bull Racing, Renault Sport, Sauber, Scuderia Toro Rosso, and Williams Martini Racing. Uh, so that's for 10 whole points for you guys. And then the final one was who won the last non-hybrid era F1 race? Uh, Tom. 
fact that you've come to me makes me think I'm right. Is it Alonso? Incorrect. Parkin. <sighs> I put Lewis Hamilton. Incorrect. Ben. Uh, Mark Webber. Incorrect. Andy. <laughs> it was Sebastian Vettel. Yes. Uh, oh, nice. Sebastian Vettel uh, took the uh, Brazilian Grand Prix at the end of 2013. So there we go. Uh, so let's uh, quickly get your your points. So question one was worth three points. Question two was worth 10 points. And uh, the final question was just worth the one. Andy, how did you get on? I got 12. 12. Wow. Oh. That's a good result, that one. Uh, I've got ben? All the, I've got all the, sorry. I got 12. 12 as well. Okay. Uh, Tom, so did you get 13? Um, no, I'm probably plum last, but I've, I've done a whole 10 times better than uh, the last time I was on. I've got 10. 10 points for you. <laughs> and Parkin? I'm slotted right in the middle with 11. 11. Uh, I don't think any of those are embarrassing scores at all. They're pretty solid. Uh, but uh, Andy and Ben, you, you two take the spoils this week with uh, with your shared uh, table topping oh. points so there we go um guys anything to add before we head off tom anything from you uh no parking no nothing from me ben uh, i i forgot to add something to ruin the allure before the podcast we do have like a little agenda thing don't we and i forgot to add something to the Le Mans section um it was about um josh pearson and i didn't know what people's thoughts on it were um, for those that don't know, Josh Pearson's the youngest ever driver at Le Mans. Um, he's what, 16 and 16 and change. Um, and yeah, it was first first uh, Le Mans. I didn't know if people thought there should be kind of age, um, like you do with some other series now, where you've got age caps um, and limit to lower formulas before you go into something as high profile as Le Mans. Um, Feels like but, a can um, of worms has been opened right there. I'm really sorry, I forgot <laughs> to mention it in the Le Mans section. <laughs> Andy, what was the uh, what was the feeling amongst the big Le Mans fans towards that? Well, he during the drivers' parade, he did look very young. He really did. Um, but I don't think he embarrassed himself on the track at all. I think he did very well. I, I, I personally, I think it's a little young for Le Mans. Uh, perhaps some of the. Uh, other WEC or even ELMS uh, races would be more acceptable till at least he's got a driving license. But <laughs> how, how I was of the same. <laughs> how long did he drive for, just out of curiosity? Oh, way past his like, bedtime, I should imagine. Uh, well, there's, uh, there's like child labour laws and stuff. Does it not count to motor racing? <laughs> as weird as that's going to sound. Well, I mean, if if he if he did equal time to his teammates, he would have done six hours. So, but not not in not in one goal, obviously. But yeah. But the uh, yeah, one thing I forgot to to mention was the LMP twos, which he he was driving, were they they changed the uh, power output from slightly, which meant that they were using more fuel, and their stint times were thirty two minutes. So they were doing stops every thirty two minutes. Wow. So not only were the drivers. Uh, having a hard time the uh the pit crews were really suffering especially if you've got a two two car team so you then split your team so effectively every 15 minutes you've got a car coming in oh god 
So none of the uh, pictures of uh, LMP2 teams uh, catching a, a cheeky nap in the in the in the garage. Then that's that's no, hard work. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, some uh, good final thoughts there from you, Ben. Uh, or what about you, Andy? Anything for you to add? Uh, no, no. Thanks, thanks for the opportunity for the invite, and uh, hopefully, I've uh, spread some knowledge. Oh, you've certainly spread some uh, uh, interest in getting to Le Mans next year, that's for sure. Uh, guys, this has been um, episode four of Only Arms, the Pit Lane Motorsport Podcast. Uh, Alex, I'm assuming we'll be back uh, probably next Monday uh, recording for it to come out on the Tuesday after the Canadian Grand Prix, I assume? Good point. I forgot it was a double-header weekend, so yeah, I better get doing some research for the other topic. Uh, I have a suggestion. I will float it your way um, very, very shortly. Um, but uh, for now, uh, for this episode, uh, that's us done and dusted. Uh, for all of you who have listened to us witter on about motorsport once again, thank you so much for giving up your, your time uh, to sit and listen to us. Um, you can, of course, hit the subscribe button. Uh, so that every episode gets dropped into your podcast app of choice uh, as soon as we post it, which tends to be sometime in the afternoon of a Tuesday after a Grand Prix. That's about when uh, you will get it. Um, and uh, it'll be around sometime tomorrow. Guys, it will really depend on what time Autoglass come to repair the... Um, the rear windscreen of my car but um the less said about that the better uh and uh, that is us done for tonight so uh andy say goodbye good night everybody uh ben say goodbye bye everyone uh tom say goodbye bye 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 and parking say goodbye bye bye from me as well thanks for listening and we will catch you next week 